Masechet Ketubot, Daf Kof Zayin. We have a beautifully structured Daf today. It's all about one subject. The question is if a married woman uh, is home and her husband went away on a trip. Now the husband is obligated to provide her sustenance. If he doesn't leave uh, food or money for her at home and she doesn't have food, can she uh, then go to the court and ask the court to go and take from his, uh, his assets in order to pay for her food? So can we collect from his assets assets in his absence uh, or not. We have to wait till he comes home and then he'll have to, have to figure it out after he comes home. Uh, so the Mishnah that we're talking about already had a discussion about whether she has to make a, a vow or not, but assume that she can collect whether she has to make a vow up front or not. Uh, but we're going to see it's actually a machloket and we will bring this Mishnah as one of the questions. So we started with the machloket and then we're going to have seven challenges to the opinion of Shemuel. And we're going to conclude that the halacha is like Rav. So let's see. Mishalach medatayam itemar. Rav Amar. Poskin mazonot la eshet ish. Shmuel Amar. And poskin mazonot la eshet ish. So Rav says, yes, if the husband went away, she comes and says he didn't leave any food, didn't leave any money. Then we go and we provide for her from his uh, property. Uh, we do. So that sounds like it fits with the Mishnah. Shemuel says, no, we do not provide for her. We're going to see a couple of cases where they agree. So this machloket is actually limited. Uh, it doesn't apply to all cases. So Shemuel says, Abba would agree with me. Abba is the name of Rav. Rav is his uh, title. Rav Abba is his personal name. So Shemuel calls him by his personal name. So Abba would agree that we do not give her food. We do not um, take uh, property. From the husband's estate for his for her food in the first three months after he left, because a man doesn't leave his house completely empty. If a man is going on a trip, he's going to leave her with some money, with some food, and so that will last three months uh, normally. Uh, so only ev- so the first three months we assume that he did leave her food. Only after that, then that's when the machloket arises. Shmuel said, "Still, you cannot," and Rav says, "Yes, you can." Okay, so this would be true unless, of course, uh, Dishonim talk about if there is a reason to think that he would not have left any food even for three months like if he storms off in anger they're in a fight and uh, he didn't want to leave or anything okay so then it might be different okay but this would be a standard case most people leave if they leave they're going to provide three months worth of food also everyone agrees if they hear a, a rumor sounds like it's a rumor some say there is some testimony but let's say the shamu sounds like it's a rumor that he died while he was away well, once he dies, then she does have a right to collect from his assets. Uh, so then everyone, every, everybody would agree. The only question is, while he's alive, uh, then uh, he, you can't, the Betin can't just take from his assets. After he's dead, then this is the state, so his estate has to pay, provide for her, so that's a normal case. But while he's alive, who's, can we go and just take it, take his money without his knowledge? Okay. So the argument is when he went away, he didn't come back, and we did not hear anything about him dying. Rav said, we do uh, portion food for her because he is legally obligated and all of his assets are mortgaged to her in order to pay for her food. And so if he's not around and he's not doing it, then she can collect even while he's alive. That makes sense. Shmuel Amad and Poskin. Shmuel said, we don't. Why? There are two sub-reasons within Shmuel 
why Shmuel might say that? My Tama, Rav Zavid Amar Emaserare at Pesah. Rav Zavid says, because we um, we um, assume that it's likely that he gave her a bundle of money before he de- before he left on the trip, right? Usually, if a guy's going to go away, he's going to uh, make sure he provides for her, and therefore, we're not going to go and take his money because you know let. Uh, they, they, this is a matter of dispute whether he left money and then he we don't have a right she doesn't have a right to collect or, or not uh, so that's Rav Zavid's reason even if he didn't leave money it could be that before he left he said listen I'm not providing food for you anymore and you keep your wages and that's a deal we saw that people can make uh, that uh, the, she will keep her wages and he does not going to provide for her food. So maybe he said that, and if that's true, then let her just go and uh, keep her wages and provide for herself. So um, either for either of these two reasons, Shemuel said she does, she may very well have enough to provide for herself. And so we, as a Betin, we don't know better, and so we can't go and take his assets uh, without him here to defend himself. Okay, my benayu. What would be a practical difference between the reasoning of Rav Zavid and Rav Papa? One would be if she's an adult, the, the wife is an adult, but and she makes money, but not enough to provide for her needs. She only has a low-paying job, not enough for her basic food. Well, in that case, even uh, in, in that case, according to Rav Papa, even if he did say. Uh, that you can go and take uh, to keep your wages and I'm not providing for you. Well, if her wages are not enough, then the husband still has an obligation uh, to provide for her. So in that case, uh, Shemuel would agree that we would take from his assets. Whereas, if it's, an, uh, if it's um, according to Rav Zavid, that maybe he gave her a bundle of money, because she is an adult, it could very likely be that he did give her a bundle of money. And so according to Rav Zavid's reasoning, even if she does not make enough in her own wages, we still would not not let her uh, give her food from the from his uh, from his uh, state, um, not a state. He's alive, but uh, from his uh, from his uh, um, uh, um, money because uh, he very well may, may he um, may very well may have given her um, this bundle of money. Or the other way around, if the wife is a minor, the difference is that usually a man's not people don't aren't going to give a minor money because they're not responsible with it. So in that case, we do not assume that he gave her a bundle of money. So according to Rav Zavid, if she's a minor, then even according to Shemuel, we would take from his assets and give her um, and, and provide for her. Whereas if she's a minor and Visafka and she makes money and she uh, she does well enough to cover her own needs, well then in that case at a papa uh, uh, according to a papa um, we would not provide for her because she can cover her own expenses. Maybe he said, you keep your wages you, you and you take care of yourself. So in that case it would be the opposite of this uh, first Nafkamina according to the papa we uh, would uh, we would not provide for her because she's providing for herself. According to Rav Zavid, since she's a ketana, we don't assume that he gave her money. So we, even according to Shema, we would provide for her. All right. So that is the machloket and the explanation for the two sides and where and when they apply. And now we're going to start with the seven challenges against Shemuel. Shemuel will successfully defend himself against every one. The first is from our Mishnah. Tenan. mezonot. A guy goes away. His wife comes and says, "Hey, he didn't leave any any food for me. I want uh, to take from his assets for my food." 
סחנן אמר תשבע בסוף ולא תשבע בתחילה. לך לקרוא עליו בני כהנים גדולים ואמרו תשבע בתחילה ובסוף. So we saw that there was a מחלוקת. חנן, that was the, he was the uh, uh, judge in Jerusalem, says she has to, she, she will have to make a vow at the end when she comes to collect her ketuvah, she'll make a vow that she never received any part of her ketuvah payout. But right, right now she doesn't have to make ketuvah. Yes, we give her the assets straight away. Whereas the the sons of the Kwanim Gedolim said, no, she can get money, she can get take from the assets, but she has to swear, she has to vow now when she's taking it and later. Okay, so that was the Machloket. But the Machloket was only about whether she has to make a vow or not. But everyone agreed that we do take from his assets and give her food. So that's, that's a challenge to Shemuel, who said that we don't give her food, we don't take it from his assets. Shemuel says, this Mishnah is talking about a case where they heard a rumor that he died. And we just established above here that when he, if they hear a rumor that he died, everyone agrees. Even Shemuel agrees that we do provide for her. Because if he died, well then, the, all of his assets go into the estate. And the estate has to provide for her. Right? He's, he's, he's gone. He's not coming back. That's a standard case of a husband dying where the estate has to provide for her. Um, that's the, that's uh, one of the stipulations of the Ketubah. Okay, so Shemuel explains that's the only question of a vow or not because he, there's a rumor that he died. All right, challenge number two. Here we have a Braita that starts off the same as the Mishnah, but then continues with another subcase. Uh, someone goes away, the man goes away, and she comes to uh, collect sustenance. The B'nai Konigolim says, says she has to make a vow. Hanan says she doesn't have to make a vow. That's the same with what we talked about before, the vow in the beginning. But if the husband does come back, Vim Amar, Vim Ba, and he said, listen, I gave her, I gave her sustenance, right? Before I left, I gave her sufficient, sufficient funds. Then he is believed. And even if the, uh, and um, she would have to pay back the assets that the uh, that she took okay so that's uh, we're adding that point that he, ha- he has to come back now um, Shemuel said over here that this talking about a case where they heard that he died uh, here obviously she didn't die right so what's going on here so first we answer so first we answer for Shemuel you know how come over here we're assuming that she can collect must be that there's a rumor that he died hold on but he he came back. So how could you say that he, they heard he died and then he comes back and he says, yeah, in fact, that's that's exactly what happened. In there was a rumor that he died, and because there was a rumor, that's why the court allowed her to collect from his assets. Normally they wouldn't. So Shemuel is still right. Normally they wouldn't. That's what Shemuel says. If they heard a rumor he died, then they would collect from the assets. If it should turn out that the rumor is false and he comes back and he said, I left, left her money, then she has to pay back the money. Fine. So everything is still good. We answered the second challenge. Now we're on to the third. Tashema. Rashai. 
the man goes away on a trip and his wife comes and demands sustenance from the court. And uh, in the meantime, uh, we're going to see that she was borrowing, she was using some money uh, in order to be sustained. <clears throat> and then eventually the husband comes and says, uh, listen, you know, whatever wages you made this whole time, you'll keep and that'll be for your sustenance. That's shy, that's permitted. He can, he can uh, uh, give her back her wages for the sustenance that he did not give her. But if while he was away, the Betin went and uh, took from his uh, assets, whatever they took has been taken. In other words, that they are allowed to go into his assets and, and, and take from it. And so here, uh, this is another um, a, another challenge to Shemuel, because Shemuel said they do not take from his assets. And the answer again is, must be a case where they had heard a rumor that he died, and that's why they uh, took his assets, because after he dies, then certainly she has the right to take his assets. Turns out, no, he wasn't dead. Okay, but they thought he was, and that's why they took it, so that's how we resolve it. Fourth challenge to Shemuel, Tashema. Same case, he goes away. She comes and, and demands sustenance. So the Betin goes and uh, seizes his assets. And they gonna and they um, give uh, sustenance to his wife, but not to his children who he also owes and has to has to provide for. We'll see why there's a difference between them. And also they do not take money uh, from his assets to pay for something else. We'll also see what that something else is. Um, but anyway, this does is a on its face a difficulty to Shimuel uh, because it does say that. He has to, um, he, he does, they do take from his assets. And in this time, we can't explain, at least not simply, that he died, because, that they thought, heard he died, because if they heard he died, then they would take money, uh, seize his assets also for his sons and daughters, uh, because then his, his estate would have to provide for them. So it's going to be harder to say that. So instead, we're going to have two answers. The first one is, We're talking about a case where before the husband left, he appointed a third party to take care of, uh, of his wife and, uh, and uh, use his assets in order to pay. In that case, since he appointed a, th a third party, we can be sure that he did not, in fact, leave money. Now, what about this third party? He's in the providing. We're talking about a case where he, he's not. The third party is not doing his job. He's being lazy, not providing for her. And so, since he appointed, the guy appointed, the, uh, the husband appointed this third party and was relying on it, surely he did not believe any other means for her. In that case, that's where, where Shemuel would agree. Okay, hold on, but then that then he should also uh, the we should be able, able to take assets also for his sons because assuming he he um, asked the third party uh, uh, the um, uh, guy to uh, take care of all of his family right? he would have taken care of the wife and the sit and the kids and if he's not taking care of one he's not taking care of the other so then they should. Uh, take his assets to pay for the kids also. Why does this Plata make a distinction? And the answer is, that no, maybe the husband did in fact appoint a third party to take care of his wife, but he didn't appoint anyone for his children, so we cannot include them. All right, it's a possible answer, but it seems kind of strange. My Pasca, the, the, the Baraita says everything without qualification, just a, a, a one generalization, um, even though we're going to go and make these very fine distinctions in the Baraita. So this is not a very uh, convincing okimta.
The Papasso brings back the uh, the case of the rumor, but now this is more than a rumor now. There's one witness testifying that, in fact, he has died, and that's why the court is going ahead and taking his assets. Now, if you're going to ask, what about the children? So there is a difference. For her, for the wife, if she wanted to get remarried based on the testimony of one witness, she'd be allowed, right? This was special permission that the rabbi said. In order for her not to be an aguna, we can rely on one witness and presume, in fact, she that that the husband has died. So, therefore, one witness also will is is enough to say that he's dead in regards to to the wife, and therefore she can take money from the estate for her sustenance. But does not does not apply to his kids. But his kids cannot go and and uh, and take his estate. Uh, with one witness. They can't take their inheritance unless there's two witnesses. So, so too, the sustenance that they would be deserving uh, after their father dies, they cannot take it. So when there's one witness, it's very interesting uh, distinction here that because one witness is believed for a wife, she can eat, but the sons, one witness is not believed, so they cannot eat. All right, so this is a satisfactory um, explanation, and so we defended Shemuel. Uh, while we uh, um, brought up this b'dayta, let's explain it further. What is this other item that also we do not take from his assets? We're talking about jewelry, ornaments, perfume for the wife uh, that we do not provide. So we do take sustenance, but these are extra things that um, she doesn't absolutely need. So that, though these things can wait. Rav Yosef Amar Sedakah, Rav Yosef said we're talking about the communal charity fund would uh, uh, impose a tax on the community members and everybody would be required to pay. So Rav Yosef said we do not seize his assets for the communal fund. The one who says that we do not take money for his wife's jewelry, all the more so we would not take it for the communal funds. But the other way around, the one who says we do not take the, his seizes assets for communal funds, but if it's for jewelry, we do. Because we assume the husband would not want his wife to be degraded and look um, uh, look, look disheveled by not having jewelry or perfume. So even though he's away, we assume he would want to. But we do not assume that when he's away, he wants his assets to be seized for communal funds. So when he comes back, we'll have to, they'll have to collect at that point. Okay, and so now we get to the... Um, Fourth, fifth, fifth uh, challenge. This Paraita is talking about a Yevama. So her husband just died, and they have no, he has no children. Uh, so for the first three months, she's not allowed to get remarried for three months. Um, she can't, uh, because maybe she was pregnant. Uh, with the husband, so she can't marry the Yavama. Because she's not allowed, she can't yet remarry, so the husband's estate still has to provide for her. Um, because she, uh, she uh, the Ketubah says that the husband will provide for her all, all the time until you can remarry, but she can't remarry yet. Okay, after three months, um, she does not get uh, food, not from her husband's estate and not from the Yavam either, because at that point, the Yavam is not responsible until he actually do, does Yibum and 
and marries her. Uh, sometimes she wants to take more time. She says, I'm not ready to remarry. He is ready. So he doesn't have to provide until actually comes, he, she comes into his home. But if she does want to do Yibum, and she says, she brings him to court, and the court says, okay, you got to do Yibum. And he runs away. He goes, he goes away on a trip. He doesn't, he doesn't want to. In that case, she does have a right to be fed from the Yavam's property. And so this is a challenge to Shemuel, because the Yavam generally has an even less of a responsibility to take care of the Yavama than the husband has to take care of his wife. And here, even the Yavam, after three months, and after the court says he has to do Yibum, he, his, his assets have to pay for her sustenance. So challenge, So Shemuel would answer, this is according to both explanations of Shemuel. If we, the reason of Shemuel that generally we don't take his assets is because we um, assume that he probably left some money around. He left some cash. Well, that would be true for a husband usually would give, leave money for his wife uh, because they, they, they like each other. Um, but uh, Yavam and Yavama, they don't feel close to each other. They're not married, just a sister-in-law. And he's, you know, he's, he has an obligation to do Yibum. So he's not going to leave her money before he goes away. So that uh, reasoning would not apply. And even Shemuel would agree that yes, you can take his assets for Yavam. And if, according to the other reasoning also, if he would uh, say, uh, listen, you, t- you keep your wages and, um, and you feed yourself. That's why in the case of a husband, he, uh, we don't take his assets because we assume he, maybe he said that before he left. Well, that would be true for a husband where he has a right to the wages. But a Yavam does not have a right to his Yavama's wages. And therefore, there's no reason to think that, I mean, we, we can't think, we cannot assume um, that he, she is keeping her wages instead. And no, in fact, he has to provide for her. And therefore, we are allowed to go into his assets. All right. And now the sixth challenge to Shemuel, Tashema. A husband and wife, they both went away on a trip. She comes back alone and reports, my, my husband has died. In that case, we believe her, right? She can testify as such, uh, so enough to, uh, to uh, collect the ketuvah. If she wants, she can um, be fed. Uh, from the estate, right, for for um, uh, a long time, or if she wants, she can get a lump sum a payment of the ketubah right then and there. However, if she comes back from the trip and says, "Girshani ba'ali," while we were away, sometimes going away on a trip, you know, makes a, brings a couple closer. Sometimes they end up fighting, so they got divorced while they were on this trip. She can receive sustenance up until she exhausts the amount of her ketubah. If she's uh, eating $10 a day and her ketubah is $1,000, she can stay and receive money for that for 100 days, and then that's it, only that much. Okay, so here too you see that um, she. Th- this is a similar case. This is a, a woman whose, whose husband is not back, and we do go ahead and take from his assets. Uh, in both cases, in the first case, we take it fully and we um, and we provide for her for as long as as long as is necessary. So answer, Hachin is a challenge to Shemuel. Oh, here also is talking about a case where we have a rumor that he died. Uh, in fact, she's the one that said uh, that he died. 
um, in that in the first case. Okay, so how come in the second case we um, also, and if she's if it's only divorced, we also allow it? Maybe we hear a rumor that he died afterwards. Okay, if so, why? How come you have put a limit on it? Only amount of a, a, the amount of a, a ketubah. Because she is the one that prevented her, that caused the loss to herself by only saying that we were divorced and not coming back and saying he died. So. Uh, if she had claimed, uh, as is as is the first case, if she claims that he died, then that's it. He does not. Uh, she then then she can take assets for as long as uh, she wants. But by claiming that we divorced, that means she only has a right to her kituva payment, not to sustenance. Only when a husband dies, she can remain. Um, uh, be, she can remain on sustenance for a long time. But if it's divorced, then all she gets can can claim is a one-time payout. Therefore, she is limiting. She limited herself to a one-time payout. So fine, we'll pay out her sustenance, but only up to the limit of her full ketubah. All right, and finally, last challenge, Tashima. In what case do we say that we're talking about a mema'enet? This is a minor girl whose mother or brother marries her off, so it's a marriage midirabanan. And nevertheless, uh, generally, a husband does have to take care of his uh, this wife and provide for her sustenance. So in what case, there is a case, however, that he does not provide sustenance. So what case are we talking about? Can't be when they're actually living together. Because then the husband does have to provide for her. Um, that's one of the stipulations. Even though she can go refuse any time, if they are married now, he has to provide Provide. Rather, must be talking about a case where he went away on a trip and didn't leave any money for her. She had to borrow money in order to eat. She got sick of it and said, "My, this what kind of thing is this? My husband goes away, leaves me nothing. I have to borrow." So she refuses, and now they're no longer married. And so he, this is the case where that this Braita is talking about and says that we, she does not get sustenance. In other words, the betin is not going to go into his assets and pay her back for it. All right. Um, retroactively, the whole thing is annulled. So now we infer from this discussion that the only reason she does not get uh, sustenance is because she refused the husband, the husband, no longer married, not even retroactively. So therefore, the Betty is not going to pay her back. But if she did not refuse, he went away on a trip, didn't leave her any money, didn't, and and she is she didn't refuse. They are married. Then the court will take his assets to provide for her. That's a challenge to Shemuel. So Shemuel says, "Yeah, in this case, I would agree that they 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 can from um, for a for a minor uh, who who doesn't refuse. I would agree that the court should be able to take the sustenance. Why?" according to either one of the reasonings that we applied for Shemuel. If it's because in other cases when they're fully married, then we suspect that the husband, uh, we assume that the husband left some money for her. But here, she's a minor. And we saw people don't leave, give cash to minors. They're not going to be responsible for it. So surely here, there's no, she didn't, he didn't leave her any cash. And it's because he said, okay, you keep your wages and feed yourself. Generally, minors are not don't make enough to cover their expenses. We did mention before a possible nafkamina of a kitana that does make, but usually they don't. 
and therefore, according to that reason, also the, um, uh, the that's why the betin, when they are married, uh, God nevertheless goes into the husband's estate and takes the taxes for his minor wife. But so Shemuel would agree in that case. But generally, if there, if uh, if it's not a case of uh, of, um, of of a minor marriage, then they would. Um, then they then Shemuel says that he would not be able to take from the estate. Okay, so Shemuel was successfully able to defend against all seven of the challenges. So what's the bottom line? My have Allah ki atad davdimi amar maseh ba'lifnei bibebet she'adim upasak la mezonot. By the way, seven is a nice number. There's many sugyot shev shemata seven uh, they have seven proofs so this was like a nice round number all right so now we have a story when Rav Dimi came from Eretz Israel he reported that there was a case just like this that the husband went away and then and she came and claimed her sustenance in front of the Biudanasi and Bet Shadim and he decided yes take his assets and give her food but a similar case came before the Bishmael in Sipori, and he said, no, do not give her food. So you see that Bishmael here was following uh, Shemuel, rather Shemuel is following Bishmael. Taheh ba'ad Abiyochanan. Now Abiyochanan asked about this, this statement of Bishmael, v'chimada Abishmael shelo pasak lemezonot. How could Bishmael decide not to give her food? Ha'lo nechleku b'nei kohanim gedolim mechanan ela l'inyan shivua v'amezonei yavinan le'lah. After all, the machloket that we was recorded in our Mishnah, um, uh, Rabbi Ishmael and Rabbi, um, Rabbi are both Tanaim, so they didn't necessarily have the final Mishnah, but they still had this uh, report of this older generation from the time of the Bet HaMikdash, Hanan, and the son of the Kohanim, and they knew that they argued only about whether she has to make a vow or not, but everyone agrees that we actually do give her sustenance, so he wondered how could Rabbi Ishmael not give her sustenance all right, so that means he supported uh, the first, uh, the Pesach of Rabi that does give her uh, sustenance. Okay, this is the same question we had before against Shemuel from our Mishnah. So Rav Shemin Baraba says, uh, is answering Rabbi Yochanan's question, saying that we already explained this according to Shemuel in Babel. We asked Shemuel, who agreed with Rabbi Shemuel, uh, this and he already said he already gave an answer reconciling his opinion with the Mishnah. It's yes, we're talking about a case in the Mishnah where we heard a rumor that he died. That's why we take took his assets because we thought he died. Um, but otherwise we wouldn't. And so um, that's that's how we can can reconcile. But this was a case where that the came the case before the Bishmel was the case where there was no rumor that he died, and that's why he didn't take he didn't seize the assets. Rabbi Yochanan said to him, Oh, you uh, analyze it so much. Sounds like he's speaking rhetorically, right? Oh, that, but with that simple answer, you solve the whole problem by making this, uh, this okimtad limitation that the Mishnah is only talking about such a case. He didn't accept Shemuel's um, response from Bavel. And so Rabbi Yochanan thinks it's still a challenge against Rabbi Yochanan. Okay, so you see from this discussion that uh, we're going to be leaning towards Rav. Um, there's another version of this discussion, just with the with the um, name switched. When Rabin came to Israel, he reported So in this in this reporting, a case came before the B, where the husband went away, and she asked for food, 
and he said uh, Rabbi is the one that said would not get would not give them would not take his assets and Rabbi Shmuel was the one that said yes you can take assets Amar Rabbi Yochanan Mada Rabbi Shelo Pasakla Rabbi Yochanan asked the question now on Rabbi because now he's the one that said no how could Rabbi not give her food after all that ancient machloket between Hanan and the Kohanim Gedolim are only whether she could she has to make a swear or not before getting food but certainly everyone agrees they do take we, we do take his assets and pay her and Rav Shemin answers the same thing oh we had this question we asked it to Shemuel and Shemuel, Shemuel already said that this Mishnah this Machloket between Hanan and B'nai uh, are only talking about a case where we heard that he died and that's why we see his assets otherwise we wouldn't and that's why the B did not B'yohanan says oh that's it you, you finished your analysis you may give this, uh, this simple answer that he was, was not convincing to him uh, so Rabbi Yochanan thought this was a better question. Okay, so we still don't have a final pasak, but here it is. The bottom line is like, Rav, we do give food. I think you see something significant here about the structure. You see how it comes to a beautiful close, but all the questions that we've had, even though we were able to answer each one of them, but each answer it makes it more and more difficult because every answer you have to say, well, maybe it's talking about a case where he died. Well, maybe it's talking about a case where um, you know, he, he left instructions, whatever. Um, and so, therefore, each question uh, chips away at the uh, author the authority of Shemuel's answer. And the last these last couple of stories also, where the Biochanan challenges whoever said the opinion of uh, like Shemuel. So, in the bottom line, now we understand that halacha has to be like Rav. Okay. Furthermore, while we're giving Piskei Halacha, here's a few more, also in the name of Rav, who said that a woman can tell her husband, listen, uh, normally I would give you my wages and you give me food. If she says, I don't want to do that, um, I'm, not giving you my wa- I'm not giving you my wages and I am not going to be sustained from you. I'll keep my wages and I'll pay my own way. It's her right to do that. It's generally not his right to do that. So before when we said maybe he made that stipulation, it would have to be where, he, where she agrees to it. Okay, and uh, finally, regarding glazed vessels. We know that when you have something that's uh, made out of earthenware, pottery, that absorbs and there's no way to kosher it. So if it absorbs non-kosher or for Pesach, you cannot use it. Uh, There's no way, right? If it's not kosher, you can't use it ever. You got to break it. Um, um, you can't use it for anything kosher. Um, that's true. But if it's something made out of metal, then it can be koshered. Okay. Now, what about these? This earthenware that has a glaze on it. So, do you say that we follow the glaze, and the glaze is something that can be koshered, or is it earthenware and it cannot be koshered? Rav Zavid said, if it's white or black color, then it's permitted. Whatever they used uh, to uh, to to put a, this white or black glaze uh, were something that was made out of a metal substance and therefore can be koshered, and it was not porous, so that it didn't go in to the earthenware underneath that's fine but if it's green whatever they use to to uh, to put the green on alum or something that was absorbent or absorbent and it would go through 
uh, that green glaze into the earthenware and therefore could not be kosher. And this permission to use glazed uh, earthenware is only if it doesn't have any, does not have any cracks. But if there are cracks, then the forbidden food will go into the cracks and into the earthenware and once again cannot be koshered. Uh, so this is actually quite relevant because nowadays pretty much um, you know, most earthenware, uh, china ceramic that people buy are in fact glazed. And so um, I mean, depending on what, what exactly they are glazed with and whether they're chipped or not, uh, this is in a very relevant halacha. Baruch Adonai Leolam. Amen v'amen.